welcome to Spreading the Good Stuff, a podcast for regional women who want to thrive in their work, wellness, family and community. We share stories of triumph, challenge, growth and change in business and in life and offer helpful insights and advice to empower you to live your best life, however that looks for you. Welcome back to Spreading the Good Stuff podcast. Uh, This is episode eight of season two. My name is Christy O'Brien. I'm Leonie Cannon. And I'm Katrina Myers. Welcome, ladies, back to the microphone. It's lovely to chat. Um, I think the last time we chatted, I was down in Tassie and I nearly didn't come back, but um, it's so nice to to see you and and to be chatting. We have lots to, to cover off today um sometimes when we send a message around to each other oh you know what are we going to talk about we have a bit of a plan and it can go from literally oh I'm not sure to like a whole list of stuff so we've been doing some planning and I just want to mention mention some lovely feedback we've had too like just after our last episode dropped I had some really lovely messages from people who who said they were walking you know by the river and we were keeping them company as as they tuned in and just you know I saw a friend who I hadn't seen in person for a little while last week and she's like, oh, I feel like I've, I've been with you because I've been listening to you. And and also some messages from people on Instagram, particularly wanting um, some info on some of the stuff that we've shared, um, like Erin's whole life plan, which we, we talked about, um, Leonie, in the last episode. So thank you for the feedback. It's nice to know that people are listening. Although we've always said we would do this um, just for ourselves because we bloody love it and... Um, it's awesome fun. So today, we're going to talk about a couple of things that have popped up on our radars in the last um, little bit. And the first one is um, is comfort zones. So we're going to talk about, you know, where we are comfortable uh, either in or out of our comfort zone. And I think the, the, the issue is I think we see getting out of our comfort zone as a positive thing, as something we should push ourselves to do. But Katrina has shared an excellent article that kind of discusses that it's okay to, to not get out of that comfort zone. Um, we're also going to talk about community sport, which is kind of a, a different kind of conversation to comfort zone, but kind of connected because it's it sort of has to do with how we feel about ourselves, um, if we're comfortable or not with losing or having to sit on the bench for too long or, or just doing something for fun. So we might kick this off, um, Katrina, with you, and if you could just share a little bit about the article um, on comfort zones and, and in a nutshell, what that looked like for you. Yeah, so I guess I've got, I can kind of see two sides to this, I guess. So Grace Brennan wrote the article about like women and how there's so much pressure, I guess, in some ways to get out of our comfort zones and all the leadership stuff and all this hype about, you know, you've just got to push yourself and, you know, growth only comes from discomfort and all that kind of stuff. And so I think what she was trying to say or what she was trying to say is that actually there's real merit in women staying in their comfort zones. We need women who actually are happy to just to, who are sort of, she was sort of putting it as like women who feel a good sense of self, can say no, have good boundaries, don't feel this need to kind of, you know, push and strive and do all this stuff all the time. They're just doing their thing, you know. And I, so I get that too. And I totally agree with that. And I think that goes back to a lot of the conversations that we have here about banning the busy and, you know, busy, this whole idea of busy and striving and hustle. And like, we're all actually, what we all want is calm and peace and all that kind of stuff. At the same time, I think that can then go also too far because I think there's a lot of women who who play small in their comfort zones too. So I think there is this kind of nuance to this for me in that and also sometimes the comfort zone can be in the striving. So, you know, there's a lot of women who feel super comfortable just 
flat out busy. And so actually for them, the discomfort is slowing down and actually, you know, saying the no. So I reckon this is a lot more nuanced, but I know what Grace was trying to say with this article. And I think it does highlight and raise a really good point that we don't all need to be, and it goes back to what we were talking about in, in relation to, to the huddle, you know, like you go to those events like the huddle and you see all these women up on the big stage and doing all these wonderful things and then we all feel like we've got to be pushing ourselves all the time to go and achieve and society tells us we're not doing enough if we're not achieving when in actual fact, like we talked about previously, there is a lot of merit in, you know, whatever you choose and whatever you want to do and if you're really comfortable at home keeping the home fires burning or you know volunteering in your community you don't feel the need to be like out there nailing it in business and life and doing all these outward things and that's awesome too and so and I think she's right there's a lot of women that are the backbone of our communities that aren't out the front they're not on social media they're not and when I say out the front I mean they're not in the public eye is what I mean you know they're not doing anything for show and they're not pushing and striving, they're just doing their thing. And they're actually the fabric of our community holding it all together in so many ways. And there's there's a lot of merit in that as well. So uh, for me, it was kind of nuanced in that I don't think we necessarily want to be encouraging everyone just to stay in their comfort zones either. But it's also accepting and understanding that there is also a lot of beautiful merit in that. And yeah, figuring out what your comfort zone is and then you know learning to challenge and move within that too is really important, mm-hmm. I guess, and whatever it is for you, but not this overall just like massive striving. What did you guys think? Mm, I love, I actually haven't um, read, I love the article that she'd written and I haven't kind of read it framed that way because when you, you shared it and I was reading through it, I thought, oh, this is, this is where I feel like I'm at at the moment. So I wonder if this is a bit of a, I'm not sure of what age or stage of life she's at either, Katrina, but I did wonder if maybe there's a stage where we reach that kind of, hmm. or where we start to question that because I definitely was reflecting after reading the article that in my 20s and 30s I felt like that was a time of really pushing myself out of my comfort zone, um, taking risks in, you know, in work life and just always testing what my limits and capabilities were whereas I feel like um right now at this stage that's not that's not where I'm at at all and and so I loved to read the way that she framed it that it's not a bad thing to be wanting to sit in that comfort zone and like you just Mm. just described too the nuance that it is possible even within a comfort zone say it's in a career or a business or whatever that you're you're running it's still it's still possible to stretch within that Mm -hmm. comfort zone isn't it Mm. um so, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for it and particularly where she spoke about um, the costs and, you know, of sometimes stepping out of the comfort zone and, and pushing and striving, what are the costs of doing that? And it did make me reflect as well on those times when I was doing it. And I, like for me, and, and it's stretching outside of your comfort zone is different for everyone. What is what is it to you that's that's pushing beyond where you would normally feel comfortable and for me during those years it was definitely public speaking and I did heaps of it emceeing gigs running events and you know when I was running a charity as well doing lots of speaking at so many different things and it was not comfort that was not a place of comfort for me but that's where I knew there was so much growth to be found for me because it wasn't my place of comfort so that's I did so much of that during those years and I actually enjoyed it but I think back to the cost of it, and for me, it was huge because it mm-hmm. the m- amount of energy that it took for me to get myself to a place where I could get up and do those things and I, you know, 
wanting to do them well, the amount of work that I would put in behind the scenes, it meant that I was often, and I think Grace talked about that too, where I wasn't necessarily, um, like I was so hyper-focused on getting myself prepared for doing that thing that I then wasn't present in the other spaces of my life. So it's it's so much easier to look back on things, isn't it, and and reflect and, and be aware of what the costs were. I think even at the time I knew the costs were there, but I felt like I would be playing small if I didn't try and step outside of my comfort zone regularly whereas now and the way she's framed that that piece that she wrote it's a reminder that that's not necessarily playing small like it is Mm -hmm. there's so much I think wisdom and and goodness to be found in women who are in their in their zone maybe it's not even saying comfort but in their zone and what Mm. they can offer to other people by you know through all the years and experience that they have in in that space um it's a really interesting conversation. I loved it. What about you, Chris? What did you think? Yeah, I know for me, straight away, I kind of recognise that, and I love getting out of my comfort zone and learning new things and challenging myself all the time, but it's almost an addiction for me. Like, it's kind of like if I don't have something new to learn, a new project on the go or a new challenge, then something feels like it's missing, which, like, this article really made me stop to think about that. Um, and that probably isn't always healthy like even this yoga training that I've been doing, like it's been amazing and I've loved it and I feel like it's a really good fit. But during the process, I've felt really vulnerable. Like, you know, you've, you've got to really put yourself out there and, you know, teach to people you don't know and you've got to fail in front of people you don't know, which is really hard, you know. Um, and then, but straight away, before I've even completed the hours, I'm like, okay, which course am I going to do yet next? You know, like I'm going to do the yin course and I'm going to do the restorative yoga and da 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 and this beautiful young girl who I'm teaching alongside here in Naima, um, I've known her for a long time, but she's probably 10 years younger than me. She just said to me, why don't you just sit with what you've learned for a little while, you know, just get used to that. And I kind of went, oh, my God, yes. Like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> and I was really grateful for her to have that kind of awareness because I'm like, right, I've ticked that box. I'm moving on to the next thing because I want to challenge myself. But the great thing about yoga too is that you never get to the end of your journey of the learning. It's always, um, it's always, it's a lifelong learning process. But I only had this conversation with Troy yesterday. We were just talking about, um, we're doing some planning and we're talking about, you know, things in our lives like learning and growth and, and challenging ourselves. And Troy said, actually, I'm pretty happy where I'm at. You know, like I feel like for me, the work I do within my work and sharing my experience and knowledge with other people is enough growth for me. I'm like, but don't you want to learn something new? <laughs> like I was trying to convince him that he should be, you know, doing a leadership course and learning something new. And he's like, no, nah, I'm okay. And I'm like, oh, okay. And that's where we're really different because I'm like, you know, I love to, to, to learn new things all the time, but perhaps but I, I don't know. To... I was just going to jump in, Chris. I don't know that learning new things necessarily stepping for a lot of people stepping outside of your comfort zone. You know, it can that, be a safe place. That can, That's where I sit a lot of the time. <laughs> learning. Yeah, yes. I know. But then, but then for Troy, like he was saying, like for him, learning, like doing academic learning, is out of his comfort zone. He doesn't like doing that at all. It's not his way of learning. It's not sort of something <sighs> mm-hmm. that kind of he feels comfortable doing. Whereas I love that stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. bring on the books and bring on the the knowledge and the and the, and the deep dive. You know, so we're so for you, that's ways. not stepping outside of your comfort zone. That's a place of comfort for you. Exactly. Whereas sort of not yes. having having something kind of, um, I suppose, to focus on is almost outside of my comfort zone. Um, yeah. But I think 
that and that's more brain challenge comfort zone for me but I do love physical physical challenges as well and since we did this walk it wasn't that physically challenging but you know to actually and I've had friends and I think Leona you have done like the 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 coast trek walks where you have to walk 45 k's in you know in a day and it's it's putting yourself out there and I had a message from a lovely girl um, Amy in Kahuna about the, the walks in Tassie and she's really nervous about doing it and thinks she won't you know she might not be very good at it and I'm like I felt the same and I think as we get older we are more nervous about taking on physical challenges because we think we might not be able to do it for starters or if we're competitive people um we think we might be shit at it (laughs) so we don't do it and that leads into the conversation about sport which we'll head to shortly but um yeah so I think as you said Katrina it's very nuanced and it's very um it's very kind of bespoke to who we are and what what kind of challenges us and what makes us feel comfortable yeah, I think that's what's coming up for me from this conversation is it just goes back to that whole thing again. It's it's very individual. It's for you. Like what what is working for you? And I think that's where we have this, we put this blanket thing on of like we have to be achieving for all of us and we compare and we do all these things that society sends us all these messages. But actually it really just comes back to that whole conversation around being aware, being conscious of what's working for you and like and and playing in that field of like, okay, am I playing in my comfort zone too much or do I need to stretch myself a bit more? Actually, is the comfort zone a good spot for me right now? And the seasons of life and there's all that ebbs and flows with it as well because I think for me personally, like I know that I can get in that like learning is a comfort zone for me as well and then I get stuck in learning and don't put myself out there and I'm constantly trying to challenge myself to, yeah, but then to put myself out there but then also it's that, okay, but no, actually, focusing on the things that you are doing really well as well and going, okay, no, but I still am doing all of this stuff, you know, and, mm. and it's very easy to get sucked into that. You have to achieve, you have to do more, you need to put more stuff out there. But it's that coming back to self, awareness, bringing it back in and going, okay, just for me in this moment and and what is working for you as an individual, not like what you think you should be doing. Like that's what I picked up from all of you and if you think that about it. Yeah, it's like that's, what that's is key. working for you. And often yeah. where we feel this pressure to step outside of our comfort zone because that's what society expects of us. Yes. So yes. what you're saying there, I think, Katrina, is spot on that if you probably need to really examine why it is that you're doing it. And if you're doing it mm. for yourself because that's what you need in your life and that brings you, you would hope, some level of joy because almost what's the point of stepping out of your comfort zone if, if it doesn't bring you any joy or happiness? Yeah. Um, because a lot of things people do and when they are stretching and striving it's actually not bringing them any joy they're doing it because of some perceived idea that society's telling them they should be doing it so I think it Mm -hmm. has to always come back to us and I feel like maybe that's an easier place to find once you are that little bit older you know yourself a bit better and for me it's about growth like I think like I'm happy to be out of my comfort zone if I'm going to experience growth but of course when you're in the messy middle and you and you're growing like it freaking hurts you know like it's growing pains happen at all ages and I think there's a lot of ego involved in this conversation again which we will lead into shortly with the conversation about sport and I only had this conversation with our one of our kids on the weekend when she you know netball was a bit of a shit show for her and they'd lost and it was it was just a bad vibe you know and and I just said to her, you've got to remember why you're doing this. And and sometimes when you do that, you've got to check your ego at the door and say, it doesn't matter about, you know, what happens to me or how I'm feeling. It's about the whole team. And and just think about the whole scheme of things when you look back in a year's time, like, is it going to matter what happened in this game? You know, like you've got to rise above the the bullshit of kind of um of sport, which, and I love sport, like, don't get me wrong, but there is so much bullshit. Um, I, I think we're ready to move into this sport conversation now, um, ladies. <laughs> Because uh, Katrina was 
talking to us this morning about um I'll, I'll let you tell the story Katrina but just kind of the the issues around why we we're involved with sport particularly in a regional community where sport is life and that sport makes up a big part of our town but just why we do it and um and again it's for me it's about sort of personal growth and, and ego and 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 kind of um why you choose to do things which doesn't always line up with societal expectations Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh, sorry Katrina do you want to kick this off and um I suppose the premise (laughs) for this conversation (laughs) well speaking of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone I played netball Saturday (laughs) which was very much out of my comfort zone so there's this whole thing which I don't understand what's really going on but anyway we had a thing where we had an exemption for the A reserve team and then it got revoked basically for our side for our club so they had to like scrounge around desperately fill an A reserve side. So hilarious. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. That'll be fun, you know. Not really knowing what I was getting myself into. By the time the match came around, I was so bloody nervous and had <laughs> the fear of God put in me. Everyone's like, you're going to hurt yourself and it's going to be oh, terrible. Yes. And anyway, it was so much fun. I had an absolute ball. Everyone had the best time. We we scored 15 goals. The other team got 94, but they didn't get to 100, so that was great. Um, and everyone was laughing. There was a huge crowd going to watch because it was such a spectacle. Oh everyone just had the best time. And it just got me thinking about, you know, and one of the girls that played, she was like, thank you guys so much. This is the best fun I've had playing netball. Like she's a netballer who'd come back. She's like, it was just so fun. And then, you know, I had a couple of conversations, like one leading up, someone had said to me, you know, oh, but because I was like, oh, well, I'm just doing it for fun. It's just going to, it's going to be great. And she was like, oh, you won't be saying that when you're losing. And I was like, (laughs) what do you mean? (laughs) Honestly, it was like, what do you mean? Like, of course we're going to lose and it's still going to be fun. That's okay. And then I was in the supermarket on Sunday and gorgeous girl who I absolutely love. She's a brilliant netballer and she, um, she'd lost in the under 18s and in the A grade. And I was like, oh, but did you have fun? She's like, nah. I was like, really? You didn't? It wasn't fun. She's like, nah. I said, it's only fun if you're winning. She's like, yeah. And it just really got me thinking about this whole conversation. And there seems to be just everything just seems to be so serious now in country sport. You know, there's so much pressure on the footy players. There's all this kind of politics that goes on. So much pressure on the netballers. And like, no one seems to be able to just have fun. And like, why is it not fun even if you lose? Like, oh, so I just want to talk to you guys about it because this has been like, where did we lose? And so many people, if you talk to the older ones, they're like, well, this is what country sport used to be like. And so I'm like, well, why isn't it still like that? And I want my kids to grow up knowing that win, lose, draw, rain, hail or shine, you get out there, you do your best and you have a bloody good time and that's what it's about. And it just seems like we've lost that in country sport to me am I wrong do you guys feel this too or what's going on well I think the problem is like number one is that like society expects us to win and it comes from the top it comes from you know our sporting organizations and we're so good at sport you know across the world we're always batting above our average literally you know and I feel like because of that then there's this expectation so we all have to be good at that stuff you know and it also starts in the lounge room when we get so bloody wide fired up about our footy team not winning or losing or whatever and you know and I, I think it's great to be into sport and um and follow it like and I'm I love my cricket and I follow it really closely but I've got you know cricket buddies who won't watch if we we start to lose you know and I'm like hang on a minute like it's a test match for starters. So within a test match, you know, there'll be lots of like, you know, wins and losses. And, you know, I love getting into that. They're like, nah, we're shit. I'm not going to watch. I'm turning it off. Or as a football supporter, I'm burning my membership because we lost on the weekend. It's kind of like yeah, people miss the point. And I know many years ago when I was involved in starting cricket here in 
in Atukamima and across the region. And there was lots of talk about wanting to start it because it was happening on a, on a kind of state and national level. And, and there was all talk about pathways, you know, for young girls, which is fantastic, you know. But I kind of said to the guys, you know, how many of you sitting in this room um, play cricket for the pathway? You know, because without being rude, how many of us are going to play for our country or in for our state? And it was like less than 1%, you know, like, yeah. so I'm like, we cannot bring this expectation of to women who've never played the sport before, who are often in there, you know, I was 40 something when I first started playing. I don't want to be here going, shit, I'm not good enough to make the rep side or, or to take the pathway to, you know, state cricket. Like, let's just do it for fun. Well, they all looked at me like I was an alien, you know, like, what do you mean mm. do it just for fun? You know, and, and I think... <laughs> starting it and seeing us all having so much fun because we we're learning this new skill and, and we were out of our comfort zone but we were supported really well it kind of made the guys look at it really differently as well even though yes you want to win um but you want to have fun in the process and um and grow and learn so I think for me there needs to be more bloody fun in sport that's for sure what do you mm. think Lee <laughs> this is <laughs> I don't even know where to start to be honest <laughs> And I'm not sure if it's perhaps, again, the stage of life we're at, and it doesn't matter whether it's boys or girls, but in our situation, three boys and the age they're at, they're all in a million different sports and that is our life. We're either at work or we're at sport. So it's just, you know, it just dominates every conversation. We're, you know, always on the road, whether it's a footy game or a basketball game or a tennis game or, you know, running or whatever it is. <clears throat> and so it's a constant kind of not struggle but just this back and forth the whole time around guiding your kids on Mm -hmm. playing sport for the fun of it and and even you know in a husband wife scenario the the different kind of life experience that we bring to sport and the way I would speak to the kids about it as opposed to how perhaps my husband would um and I don't know if it depends on your own experience in sport as a kid, like whether you were someone who won everything and who was always, you know, put up on this podium that you're amazing because you were so good at sport, which we do this. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, the the adoration and the, the, you know, the celebration that there is around kids and young kids, or it doesn't matter what age, anyone, but I see it with the kids hugely, when they make some rep team or, you know, AFL, whatever it is, I know it's really important, it is really special, but the way that society reacts to that is so out of proportion compared to other areas of life, you know, other people and kids achieving in different spaces in the art world or in the academic Mm -hmm. world. We do not celebrate them in that way. So we're teaching our kids at such a young age that sport is god like it's it's number one because that's where they see their peers and their friends being lauded um it's in the footy field it's on a netball court it's you know on a basketball court whatever so those ones who are at the peak and who are you know so incredibly talented we just and I feel for those kids too because gosh we put pressure on them Mm, yeah but you know I come at it from I was always middle of the road with sport I always played it for fun and I didn't kind of you know reach any lofty heights um so I can come at it with this through the way I'm raising my kids through this lens of it's for fun like and whenever I see them getting ahead of themselves I'm so quick to remind them of that so I don't know if it's perhaps a little bit of what we bring to it but I'm so confronted by what I see and you see people who you think you know 
at I a know. sporting game. I know. And they are like a whole different person when they're It changes themselves. people's mm-hmm. behaviour. Like, and I've had conversations with dear friends of mine who have been like in a situation where they're giving this umpire in basketball a hard time. They're a 12-year-old child, for goodness sake. And they're uh-huh. saying, oh, no, no, you know, like the, the fact that they're doing this is putting pressure on everyone and it's kind of like, hang on a minute, there is no excuse for abusing an umpire, you know. And, and we talk about, you know, the issue with umpires and umpire abuse. Well, it comes from the lounge room. It comes from the very top because we don't respect what they do, you know. like, mm. And it's the same with that, you know, in society, I agree with you, Lee. Like we don't celebrate our paramedics and our, and our you know, medical mm. people and, our you know, all our frontline workers compared to sport. Like we just, they barely get mm. a bloody mention, you know, and yeah. they only get a mention usually if they get it wrong particularly police, mm. you know, like mm-hmm. it's so bad. And, and look, I love sport, but I feel like it just changes people and it comes from wanting to win, yeah. if you ask me. That is the number one reason and it's bloody tragic. And I don't know if it's always, perhaps it has always been this way, I'm not sure. Like and I know that new rule that they've brought in, I know it's been brought into our clubs this year across the board. I think it stems from the AFL too with football is around this mm. white card now for um, like it's, the umpires have the white card and they can hold that up if there's any kind of abuse, you know, toward an umpire or players or whatever. And we have seen it in one of our games. Um, so they kind of get a warning, up the card's held up. If they get a second warning, there's like a, a penalty awarded, you know, free kick and whatever as well. But if it comes to the third warning, the head coach of that team, even even if he's had a, he or she has had nothing to do with the incident, they are removed. So it's hmm. kind of like making that the coach responsible for their whole, you know, coaching team, all hmm. of their volunteers within the club, their supporters. So in this instance that had happened with us, a couple of kids got into a fight, they were sent off and then, and then a crowd member was, the behaviour was absolutely appalling. And so they were white carded. Um, and so that the, <clears throat> then comes back to the coach of that club. There was a parent or somebody in their crowd who behaved poorly but it then meant that the that the coach was taken away. So yeah, but that the coaches volunteers, then you're just going to end up with no volunteer coaches. Absolutely. Like who take on that role? It's, God, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> but what a bit much pressure on the coach. What an enormous responsibility then on Huge. that, like you say, volunteer coach. But, but the what fact it that it's too. even needed. Oh my oh, God! No. I know it's like I when you start so. with basketball, like you get this whole oh. contract with you know parent behaviour, and you go, oh, this is here for a reason. But I think what it does, Katrina, in in defence of that. I don't know the details, but it, it makes people accountable, you know, because sometimes we kind of just yeah. get accountable for the way people behave and, you know, and racism is, is a huge one in this situation, mm. not just with sport. Like last week with Stan Grant and the ABC, like we need yeah. to stick up for our, each other and not just go, oh, that's really bad and just sort of hide in the corner when we see things happen. Like, And it's really hard because it's getting out of our comfort zone to call people on poor behaviour. We see it all the time and it sometimes it's our friends, sometimes it's our family, particularly when it comes to yeah. sport. And the way we approach it, you know, and we need to call it out. We can't be um, silent bystanders. And I think it does. It, it comes from, well, society, as you say. It's like this big picture society thing. We put so much pressure on sport. And then it's parents. And I think often, Lee, it's actually not the parents who were good at sport. It's the ones who weren't that good at sport and then try to live through their kids <laughs> and put all the pressure on them. Like we do see that quite often. It's like yeah, I'm going to live point. vicariously through my child and you will be the greatest sportsman ever. People need to be reminded it's genetics. If you weren't good at sport, then chances are your child's not going to be great either, okay? It's okay. And also there's still a great person. They're still going to be awesome and it's not the end of the world. This is what I want to say to people sometimes. It's like 
But, you know, the problem is that if you can't play netball and footy, like you're basically what are you going to do in winter in Barham? You know, like mm. it's really tough. Like because the, the football club is such the epicentre and it's such the mm. community and everything is based around that in winter here, then if you're not good at sport, it's really tough. So it's like it's mm. it's this whole social fabric. So if your kids aren't into it, then you miss out on all this social stuff as well. And people mm. are so invested in that. And then that goes back to that whole thing, like we just don't prioritise or value all these other things that are happening and we've just put so much emphasis on sport, especially in rural communities, then all this other stuff. And it's not very inclusive, you know, like it's really not. There's a lot of kids who aren't very good at sport. There's kids with disabilities. There's kids of all, you know, different races and all sorts of things. That It's just not all that inclusive, I don't think, either. And I think that's a bit of a problem as well. And if we're not even having fun... Why are we doing it? <laughs> you know? I mean, there are a lot of good, there's a lot of beautiful benefits to a footy club as well. I get that. And I do, like, I know I love it. I love, we did, we did canteen on Saturday. It's great fun. It's super social. And I love playing netball. And like, I think there are a lot of wonderful things about it as well. But I just feel really sad that I feel like it's just become this high pressure. People yep. are missing the fun of it. And it's too intense. And it's like, what, how do we, and you know, how do we get back to just being more fun? Is it because it's such a business now and we're paying players or like, yeah, what and is I think the... it comes, I think it comes back to cult, it comes back to culture. I think some clubs are better at mm. addressing the culture in their club. You know, they have a, you know, a Chico footy club who has a dickhead policy, you know, and they stand by that, you know, like they don't want people in their clubs that are classified as dickheads, you know, like they're kind of, acting in a way that's not sort of becoming of the the things that we stand for. And and I think that there's a lot of focus on um, building better people, you know, and health yep. and well-being. It's not just about sport and winning, but that's a new thing in our club. Like we've had people come here, um, you know, health professionals and people from sort of outside the kind of, you know, re- I suppose typical regional communities that go, we need to bring this to our clubs, you know, because you can't just put – what your kind of mission and your goals are and what you're addressing without actually doing it, you know. So mm-hmm. I see some really wonderful things happening with, you know, not just building good sporting teams but actually building great people. And I think that's where mm-hmm. sporting clubs can play a role. But if you have bad culture in your club, it's just not going to work. So it definitely comes back to, to culture and, and that's there's no easy fix to that, you know. Um, but that's well, it often fix. starts at the top too, doesn't it? You need yeah. a good president and you need a good board and like yeah. it's like any organisation you've got to have good. And I think I think there is a pretty good – it feels like it's quite a nice community and there's no like, yeah, I, mean, I think we'd be fine with the dickhead policy at our club. But like <laughs> – um, but, yeah, there's still I think – there's opportunity, I guess, is what you're saying too, Chris. There's real opportunity to not just have it that way but actually create change. And it's interesting that you said there that outside people had come in Mm-hmm. Um, to the club to do that because sometimes when you're so in it and you've been in the totally. club for life, like it's really hard to have that objective. It's also really hard to in- introduce new things. Yeah. It's always hard to introduce new things, but if you've got that more objective outside perspective, you can do that. So I think that's really interesting too. But yeah, it's. And oof. I think when uh, I think what what a lot of it comes down to, particularly with junior sport, and I'm not sure again if this is just in the, our society currently or if it has always been this way. Parents these days, we often have too much to say and are far too involved in our kids' lives, whether it's, you know, at school or on a sporting field or in any walk of life, um, that sometimes you've actually got to let your kids just fail, get out (laughs) there and, yeah, that's right. Like, because I feel like that's where I see most of the, the kind of problems come in is when parents are getting too involved and having too much to say 
And then the kids are learning from that because they're seeing yep. this, you know, whether it's parents coming in and complaining about a coach or their kid not mm-hmm. getting a fair go or like we it's it's really interesting because we actually Craig and I had this conversation probably less than a fortnight ago um and it's around sport in general in our lives and for the kids and you know footy basketball which they're all so involved in there's constantly politics in all of the clubs like there's they're great places to be there's so many awesome people but in in our experience mm-hmm. so far far there's always some kind of drama happening behind the scenes always will and be yeah always always yep. will be so <laughs> people 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 so yep. we we and and, and and people trying to draw you draw you in you know mm-hmm. like there's almost yeah like it's very, very challenging. And we had a conversation around how much energy you feel like you can expend on this and how much time it can dominate our conversations even at home. And then suddenly you have this moment of, oh, my God, it's like this is kids' sport. Why are we even talking about this? So we actually had a moment of saying, line in the sand, we're not we're not even going to talk about it. Like we just do not want to be part of this. So anytime if there's any issue with our kids or whatever we're not going to be the people who complain we're just, mm-hmm. because next year the year after whatever it's not going to matter I think you said Christy like in the moment it might feel like a big thing it yeah. just isn't a big thing and you're not helping your kids and you're not teaching them how to be, be resilient we we did we've had an experience with one of our kids in rep sport you know who's has been the kid on the bench and and it, don't get me wrong like there's been that's been hard it's been hard for him it's hard to sit and watch when you travel millions of miles and you sit there and and they don't get on but at the same time for us we see that as a real teachable lesson for mm-hmm. that child of ours exactly. in, and, in and around how you can still be the very best teammate that you can be, be how you can bring the best energy to the rest of your team when you're on that bench how yep. you then can learn later that that life isn't always fair and also a teachable moment for us to show that child of ours that your self-worth is not attached to how much time you get on a sporting field or how good you are at that game. Totally, 100%. You're a bloody great person no matter what. And, and like, participation is key, getting out there, being a good person and being a, a, you know, a great teammate is all that counts to us. So if you can show us that, then you are a winner in our eyes any day of the week. And, like, we... And I'm not saying that was easy because at times you feel heartbroken for your child who's, yeah, you, you know. Yeah. But that what comes of taking that kind of approach makes the absolute world of difference. Like I agree. you walk I... away from it then having had a positive experience. And we've also said to this child of ours, you know, one day when you're a coach and you're an adult, you're going to remember this. Mm. And you're then going to make a choice in that moment around whether you, you know, how you coach those kids and whether you're happy or comfortable to have someone sitting there. Like, like it's all so, so important. But honestly, I don't know if there's many people that would approach it that way. And I feel I like know, parents, so. like a lot not, of parents, Not what I've seen, not of how I've no, seen many parents same. deal with it. Mm. It's compl- And we, like, you know, Craig and I both coach. We're team managers of teams. We are so involved in, in the volunteer capacity, so we see it coming as well. You know, you mm. get all the – it's like how do you 
how do we encourage parents to take a bit of a step back and see the bigger picture? It's not all all about your one individual child. Like it's so much. Well, I think, Lee, I think it's what you said there. It's like, what message are you sending to your kids? And like what you said was so beautiful. It's like, are you teaching your kids that they're only worth something if they're good at sport? Like, do you want that to be the message that your kids hear? Like that to me, I was just like, yes, that is it. Because like, they're still awesome and amazing little people even if they have to sit on the bench for the whole game or even if they totally. don't play well. And do you want them growing up thinking they're only worthy if they can prove themselves to you as being a good sportsman, you know? And I think that's like we have always been the same, Lee. I'm always like whatever the coach says goes, yep. don't get involved in any of that stuff. I, Tim and I take a very backward step and do not get involved in any politics The coaches put their hand up to volunteer oh. and do this job. Like yep. whether you, you agree with every decision that. along the way, that's life. Like Exactly. And you just do what they ask of you. And I grew up riding horses, so that was always the message that I had from mums. Like you even if you don't like the instructor that you're with at the time, you just do what they say while you're in the lesson and then you can change later, whatever. But like you listen to the coach and you do what you're asked. And they're volunteers and we have to be nicer to them because like they're doing totally. their best. They are back to it. It's yeah. learning for our kids. I couldn't is, agree more, Lee. I think you've absolutely nailed it. And I feel like for parents, like they often feel like it's their way of loving their child when they kind of go in and bat for the yes. child and the child's upset. So they're like, oh, my God, it's I true. can't have my child upset. So they go psycho at people. And it's so like, true. I've all, we've always said that, you know, our kids learn more from missing out on the A team or the top side than they do from getting in, even though it breaks your heart. And we'll often say, we'll joke and say, right, well, who do I talk to here? Who do I make a phone call to? And who do I complain to? And they all go, oh, my God, mum, don't. Like, I don't know a child on this earth that wants their parent raging like a machine at the coach mm. or the selector or whatever because it's just as you <laughs> okay. said Lee, like it doesn't help them at all and it does them no favors does it i know no. i had this exact conversation with one of our kids yesterday and you know it was i just said to her like you gotta care a bit less you know and i know mm. that sounds really awful because you want your kids to care and be involved and whatever but just care less about the outcome and the parents have to yeah. do the same we all have to do that we all have to care less about the outcome which sounds totally counterintuitive particularly mm. when it comes to sport, but we have to put less attachment on the outcome, like how many minutes you get if you win the game. Like Because if we do that, then we'll enjoy it more, I think. Because yes. When you relax and enjoy something, it's often more successful. You know What, what you just said then, Christy, is so important around this. It's this idea and this generation that we're in, I feel, around advocating for our children and mm. that we have no one else is going to advocate for your child, so you have to do it. I feel like it's just got so far out of control because if yeah, because we're all out there advocating for our one special child, this that does not work. Mm-hmm. I well, know we there's need to moments, teach the kids to... absolutely, where, you know, there are yes. times when you do need to use your voice in, in that situation with your children, but it's not every time. No, and we also need to empower our kids to advocate for themselves, you know, totally. stop stepping in and just let them, you know. And to be honest, like if the parents just got the hell out of the way, the kids would have a great exactly. time if it I was know. just the kids and the coach out there, which is, you know. But you're right though, Chris, I do want to highlight what you said though too. Like it does come from a place of love often. Like it is parents, they're thinking, like they, they honestly oh, believe breaks, that they're doing the exactly. right thing and they're just trying yeah. to do their best and we're all just trying to do our best. But yeah, I think just if we can all tap back into that, you know, what are the messages that we really want to be sending our kids and thinking about that long term, like what are we said, life skills are we totally. setting them up for? That's and I often, our kids often help. laugh when I watch sport because I often don't watch very well. I, I talk to the people around me because I'm super social and I go, well, I could be the other type of parent and, you know, psycho parents screaming from the sidelines at them. They're like, oh, yeah, no, you just keep talking. You just do your thing. 
so I think it's that yin and yang and, and knowing where you're at. But again, like you, often as a parent, like when you're going to watch it, I feel like I should care more because everyone around me is screaming at the umpire and at the outcome. And I'm like, oh, hang on a minute. Perhaps I'll just shift over here, you know, so it's kind of what feels good. Um, I think we might wrap this conversation up, ladies. I feel like it's been a good one and we weren't really sure how comfort zones would fit into community sport, but you know what? It actually connected really nicely. So we would love to hear from anyone out there who's had, you know, um, challenges in this space and what they do because um, I think, you know, we could all kind of learn from, from conversations like this and once we know know better, I suppose, we, we do better and, and um and we can all learn because it is really hard and you might have a child that's just starting playing in sport or who, who doesn't want to play sport like because they want to win or whatever, you know, like mm. it's, it's just a really challenging space. So feel free to touch base. But we might just um finish up by sharing what we've been loving, what we've sort of been up to, what we've come across in the last little bit. Who would like to go first? <laughs> Lady, you want me to go first? <laughs> I'm happy to go. Well... Take it away. <laughs> uh, what I loved was playing netball, actually. That was just great. <laughs> like, despite all of this, and it, you know, it just sparks all these interesting conversations. It's, it's interesting to see it uh, a different way, and it's highlighted a lot of things for me. And it is just that reminder that we just do need to more people who are just out there to have fun. And I think it was nice to be able to, because, you know, you can imagine me on the netball field. I was netball field. Listen to me. <laughs> netball court. <laughs> I, I was just attack? smiling. Wing, um, let me guess. Wing attack? Wing attack? <laughs> Center. Wing attack, yep, wing attack. and wing defence. I was much better in attack, could not keep up with my player in wing defence. She was a fast little thing. but And I was just like, oh, my God, you guys are so good. And I was laughing and smiling. I thought, well, maybe that's a good thing too, you know, just to say it can be fun. You don't have to be, like, taking it so seriously. And, and I, I just really enjoyed it and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, oh, and the thing I was going to recommend is a book called um, Into the Magic Shop. I mentioned it in my newsletter last week. It's written by this neurosurgeon who basically the premise is when he was a little kid, he was in an abusive home and he walked into this magic shop randomly one day and this woman, Ruth, just sort of took him under his wing and started teaching him for like um, six weeks over summer and she taught him basically how to meditate, how to calm his mind, how to do all these things and she just like basically changed his life and then he went on to become a neurosurgeon and so now he sort of understands all the brain science of that and he's, you know, it's all about how you can change the brain and you can you know, determine how you like, want your life to go and it's all about, you know, and, and the power of meditation and all that. So it's like the best. It's so good and it's beautifully written. It's like really well done. So it's kind of narrative and story-like but also uh, educational kind of tools and stuff. So highly recommend grabbing that one. I love it. And I always love when you kind of blend that, the woo and the science. I'm yeah, really, like, I love yeah. that space where we're, blue, we're blending spiritual with the neuro, with the science of it and it's like, oh, sit very happily in that spot so yeah it's really good highly recommend so good uh what am I loving well I was going to also talk about I know we sometimes ask ourselves the questions around how we're feeling if we're struggling with anything um no real struggles coming from me at the moment because I'm feeling like a million times lighter and I think probably a couple of episodes ago when we spoke about um the fact that I was pulling um, closing the books to, to new um, clients and projects I know at that point I was in the thick of it all and just so much going on with work and I think I remembered saying give me four or six weeks and it, here you are. I, I felt like things would be a lot better and here I am and this this week Yay. is the first week where I look at my calendar and I've got plenty of beautiful things to be working on but 
space, space in between. So good. Um, It just feels so, so bloody magic. Um, So I think I need to get that book into the magic shop. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, just less heightened, not, you know, rushing, not feeling like that constant rushing, sleeping better, all that good stuff. Um, And then in terms of what I'm loving, I'm loving at our school at the moment, our high school where the kids are, are about to um, open a second campus, which has been built over this last 18 months or so. So we've got a child in year seven who will move out to that that new campus um, in a few weeks' time. And as part of that, um, the school is doing a, a time capsule because they'll be the, mm. the founding students. Um, you know, it's a really old school, 137 years old, and now stepping into a multi-campus school. So they're doing a time capsule and they asked all the kids to write a piece um, based on that Dr. Seuss um, quote that you never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. So we've been having lots of conversations with my son around what he's, you know, what that means and what he's going to write. So he's got all these ideas about what he's going to do. But then they also asked the parents to put together a piece as well to go in the capsule with their child's piece so that these, these will all be opened when they're in year 12 on the year 12 retreat. And there was a few options that you could do as a parent and I chose there was one of the questions was something that I wish I'd known at your age. So I went down this rabbit hole last Friday and wrote my piece. <laughs> Can you imagine? Essay. Was it an essay? That was a funny essay. But I had so much fun because I had time to do it and I just loved it. I, there were so many oh, things I could have written, but I wrote oh. about I wrote about perfectionism and that I what I wished I had known when I was his age was that perfectionism is bullshit. Oh, let's do a whole Bravo, podcast episode yeah. on perfectionism. We <laughs> that totally, is a great one. Yes. We are doing that. So I won't go yeah. into it other than to say Mm. I then, when I went to send it through for the time capsule, I thought, oh, I can't wait till he's in year 12 for him to read this. Like that's five years away and if he doesn't know this from me now, then what a wasted opportunity. So I sat down with him and I read him my letter. So I was, you know, to him and whatever. And afterward, the conversation that came from it, so the crux of it after I'd shared my experience with perfectionism was me saying, I don't, you don't ever need to be perfect. You know, that was kind of the the crux of it and that you, we will love you and that your self-worth is not attached to any of that stuff. You are lovable and you are worthy no matter what the outcome of anything you try. You know, always give it your best shot because that's so important in life. But the outcome and, you know, the perfectionism is just so unimportant. Um, And at the end of it, it then opened up this conversation between he and I and then with my other kids because I spoke to them about it too, was with them having an opportunity to say moments where they have felt that pressure from Mm -hmm. us. Unintentional. From you. Yeah, where they've Uh thought that they needed to, you know, get a certain grade at school or perform a certain way or whatever. Um, Underlying, not that we'd ever said it, but just different things have happened along the way. So we had like this two-hour conversation at the dinner table, our whole family, where it was so incredible and so emotional where our kids actually in that moment understood that that's not what's ever expected of them, even if there's moments where their parents make them feel like mm. maybe they they feel that way. They now, it's opened this opportunity where the kids can say, actually, in that moment, what you've just said or done there has made me feel like I need to be perfect and you told mm. me I don't need to be. So I just am so you know, the power of just something that the school's done but that where we've then taken it as a family and, 
you know, I wished I'd got to have those conversations mm. with my parents when I was that age because, man, it would have changed a few things along the way for me. <laughs> so oh, that's something that, that I'm, so much. I'm loving. Um, so, yeah, good opportunity to anytime sit down and write your child a letter um, about what, she, what you'd wished that you had known at their age. Oof, what, a, what a gift. Love that. That's yes. so cool. What about you, Chris? What are you loving? Uh, I've got a couple of things. Um, first one was I just want to talk about, you know, I'm loving planning uh, my yoga classes because I'm actually teaching yoga to actual students. <gasps> I did my first couple of sessions last week with just family and friends at this stage still, but it's um, proper in a studio in Noima. Um, the beautiful Sharon at Sharon Dippity has allowed me to use her space to get my hours and I'm bloody loving it. I would actually just do it for the playlist because I love getting the music for and practicing and oh, it's just so good. Leonie came last week um early in the morning and um Oh, can I come to a like and I was saying to someone, Oh, you know, they asked how it was going and I said, Well, you know, I'm still learning and I've got a lot to learn and sometimes I feel a bit like, Oh gosh, I hope it's gonna be okay. But I feel like everything I've learned in my life has kind of brought me to this point and Oof. and teaching yoga or sharing yoga more specifically is like this gift that I can give to people but also for myself because it's so fulfilling mm. and it just literally lights me up more than anything in the whole entire world. So um, oh, bloody loving it. I couldn't agree with that more and I think I might have said to you last week when we are there because you kept you know reiterating that I'm still learning I'm still learning it's like you are a teacher you are a yoga teacher yeah. and yes everything in your life this was always meant to be I don't know anyone who is better suited for being a yoga teacher than you so, so I feel so lucky that you're like this is going to be for the next 20 or 30 years of our life we're going to be doing yoga together so it's so great. Do it forever I know it's so good anyway enough about yoga but I wanted to mention I think I mentioned earlier in the conversation um the lovely Amy from Kahuna she is a fan of our podcast and she reached out about the the planner um where to find it Erin's whole success planner and I must admit Lee I haven't used it a lot like I've kind of used it as a tool I had the one for the kids when they were young and they were excellent but on the weekend Troy and I were doing some financial planning which I find you know not really Dry. my jam you know exactly I'm, I'm looking at your face Katrina going yep that was my face too <laughs> but you know what we need to do these things because we're adulting and and all that sort of stuff but I just said to Troy you know, and he's very practical and, and he, I said, we can't have this conversation around financial planning without looking at all this other stuff. And I, I kind of yeah. saw him kind of going, oh, what, what what's she going to get me to do, you know, because we often have this, we've had this whip in the past that we used, um, which kind of worked and then it kind of dropped off. And so I just went through um, the start Hang of Erin's. What was the whip? What's the whip? Oh, uh, like, you know, like a, uh, a work in progress whip, like a, a weekly whip that, you know, you can have oh. in a business sense. But Troy and I used to do one just as a person, a weekly whip, and we'd uh -huh. go around, you know, the kids' stuff or like plans for whatever, holidays or whatever we need to do. So just a kind of weekly check-in, which we yeah. definitely dropped off doing. I mean, all that sort of stuff. So, but we went through the, in Erin's in planner, and I'll put the link to it again, there's like little boxes that you things you need to look at and it obviously includes earnings and money management but it includes other things to look at like parenting and home leadership health and well-being intimacy and connection meaningful work and contribution new and existing friendships like you know that's a really good one which we talked about recently like are you is your cap full for friends or can you you know find some room for more leisure fun and experiences emotional and mental stability growth, learning and achievement and spirit. And we went through every box and honestly, it was so bloody good. Like we got interrupted a couple of times and it was kind of like, oh, you know, like 
it's never a good time to do it but it was so worthwhile and I just feel like this has given us something that we can both relate to because sometimes I try and bring too much woo-woo to this conversation and Troy I could see him sort of glaze over <laughs> like when mm-hmm. he tries to kind of get too bogged down in other kind of non-emotional stuff for me I'm like but what about the emotional stuff so I just want to shout out to Erin <laughs> which I've had her planner for a long time and I've, I've used it in some sort of fits and starts but to actually use that little those boxes at the start um, for planning was a, has it been a game changer for us. It's, it is so good and if actually anyone is looking for it um, you'll find we can put the link in but she has an Instagram page that is just dedicated to that planner so it's called whole life the whole she? life success whole life success planner um, but we can pop the mm. link into that and so you can oh, just I grab didn't it from, know that. Yeah, grab it from it there whole... and she has ones that are for the kids or for yep. adults so our kids have always used the kids ones but now that we've through our you know son's sort of 15 and a half now he's now moved to the next stage one um and yeah they're great as you you and Troy have done to sit down as a family and do together and then or individually as well but to come back to it's it's such a great framework um to stick, oh, it's, to stick to is. and re, revisit um yeah, because often really cool. we don't have like the I suppose the language or the words to be able to kind of you know we know what we want to talk about and address, but sometimes you know things are hard to bring up. You know, like particularly yes. in relationships or in families, or like like with you, Lee. Like once you have that question as a starting point for your kids, they go, "Oh, actually, that makes me feel like this." And and when Troy and I talked about you know yesterday about you know growth and learning, I'm like, "Well, what are you going to learn this week?" And he's like, "Well, I'm happy just doing my thing." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." Right, mm. but you, you wouldn't know, have had that conversation no. otherwise. Mm. Exactly, it doesn't That's come right. up over the dinner table. So anyway. you can always pour yourself a glass of wine and sit down and do it too, and then it's oh. even more fun. Totally, yeah. <laughs> we do over a cup of coffee, but yeah, definitely could have it over wine. But I just hope that we revisit it because it's such a great tool and and really practical. And um, yeah, I just want to shout out to Erin because it's so beneficial and um, helpful. So that's kind of it, um, guys. Was there anything else that we wanted to talk about? No? Okay. Oh, I think that's a wrap for today. That was a big oh, one. I got I very excited like about the sports stuff and the car oh, out. We nearly hit an hour again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for bearing with us, everybody. Uh, please listen to it in um, stages if you need to. Yeah. <laughs> but and, thank you. Send us any messages. And I did put a little message on Facebook recently. We are just sort of focusing on Instagram at the moment with our social channels. So it's just great to be on there and sort of sharing other awesome things as well. We find Instagram really positive, great platform for sharing great stuff. So Thanks for listening. Thanks for helping us spread the good stuff. And um, we'll chat again in a fortnight, ladies. Bye for now. Yay. Thanks, guys. guys. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spreading the Good Stuff. It is so lovely to have your company here. If you enjoyed the show, we would absolutely love it if you you hit the little arrow at the top of the podcast iTunes page there or like it on Spotify and also give us a rating. Five would be fabulous. If it's not a five for you, then maybe just don't bother. That's okay. But if it is, we would love for you to help us spread the good stuff more by supporting us and also tell your friends about it. We all know that word of mouth is the best way to learn about new things. Maybe share it on your socials, do a little screenshot of the podcast tile, whatever works for you. But we would just absolutely love it if you would help us spread the good stuff. Thanks, guys.